All right, here we are in this series, Different, and um, so excited to jump into today's sermon. Um, it's really kind of new for us in the sense of like God is moving us into something new, and so we're going to talk about it today and how great that's going to be. And so the, the series is entitled Different, and the sermon subject today is this, we're different because God is with us. One of the things that makes us different as believers and as Christians is like versus some other religions, we don't have to like go to an idol and worship it and bow down before it and do a thing. Uh, the scripture says, and we're going to read it here in just a minute, but the book of Matthew says that the, the, the name given to Jesus, our savior is Emmanuel, God with us makes us different, that God is with us. We, the body of Christ, we are the body of Christ. We are the church. And so where we go, God is with us. As you know, scripture teaches us, he'll never leave us or forsake us. So today we're going to look at how we're different because God is with us and he's moving among us and he's participating in every single area of our life. And so I want to tell you a little story of uh, just the odd ways that God uh, speaks to me. Of course, I study in my office and I take time to to research and read and do all the, the, the things that a pastor would do in a normal office. But to be honest with you, much of the way that God speaks to me and helps me put together sermons is, is just through things that I'm doing throughout my normal life. And so I was winding up a garden hose. Uh, I fixed up our backyard and made some changes to our backyard. And so uh, I have to go out multiple times a day and water the, the new grass that I'm trying to grow. And so I was winding up a garden hose and some of you are going to connect and relate to this because it's either a great frustration or it's a great ignorance of yours. And because you know nothing about what I'm about to tell you about, um, you'll experience the problem that I'm going to tell you that I experienced. And here's what it is. It's when you're taking a garden hose and even an electrical, uh, like say extension cord, and you're trying to wind it up, it has like a, a natural propensity of a way that it wants to wind up. So has it ever fought you, right? You're trying to wind it up over the thing. You're trying to just coil it up into the perfect circle. And, and the first few maybe might go fine. It winds up just fine. You made a good circle. But all of a sudden, like maybe it's the third or the fourth wind up. You're trying to coil it up. All of a sudden, it kind of wants to bend itself the other way. How many have ever had that terrible frustration and experience? It's all of a sudden, you've gotten to a certain stage and it wants to go this way, but it needs to go the other way. How many are tracking with me? There's just something in it that says, hey, it would be easier if I went this way, but it needs to go this way. So then what you have to do, this is where many of you are ignorant to this, and, uh, and, and that's not a judgment against you. What you have to do is you actually, so you're trying to coil it up. What you actually have to do is just give it a twist or a couple twists, and it sort of recalibrates itself back into the right alignment of the other circle. And so as I was doing this with the hose, I'm winding it up and, and, and all of a sudden it's starting to fight itself to go the other way and saying, no, I want to go this way. This way is easier. This way is more comfortable. This is the way that I want to go. I said, no, no, no. I got to just twist here this way a little bit. And it puts it back in alignment and it causes it to walk in the destiny that it's called to walk in, which is to be perfectly wound up into the way that it's called and assigned to be. Are you getting what I'm trying to say this morning? So what the Lord spoke to me when I was doing that, he's saying, this is what I'm doing through this whole COVID thing. We're all saying, no, I want to go this way. God's trying to wind us up. He's trying to line us up. He's trying to get us in, into the perfect flow or order that he has for us and, and get everything into alignment. And then there's maybe this stubbornness. There's maybe this selfishness. There's this familiarity that we like. We say, no, we, we, we want to go this way. And he's using this experience to just be like, hold on, let me give you just a few twists of change and realignment and cause things to be a little bit different. So that what? So that you can come into alignment with the big picture of how he's moving and how he's working. And so my encouragement to you this morning is we have to accept change. For us to get into the alignment and to get get coiled up and put together the way that we need to be, we got to let God give us a few of those little twists. Some of you are like, I still don't get it. I don't get the hose. I don't know. My wife is actually one of those. I, I come home and I see the garden rail. I'm like, did you let the kids wind up the hose today? And it was actually my wife. She has no idea. I've literally tried to teach her, honey, it's so easy. You coil it up. And then I guess this point, you just got to twist it a few more times. And again, it looks like the baby put it back on the house, but I'm praying we're in counseling. We're going to make it, but I'm just saying, so, uh, that's my throwing her under the bus this morning. Give her some hearts and some love today. 
But God is saying, hey, I just, I just got to change a few things for, and we got to let God do it. And so let me, let me just give you a few encouragements this morning about why change is so important. And then we're going to take a look at scripture about how God is changing and using us in this season. I love this. Uh, someone from our church, Jennifer, actually posted this this week. So I'm going to steal it because I thought it was a great thought. Um, it says this, whatever you are not changing, you are choosing. So whatever you're not allowing God to, to change in this situation that needs to be changed, whatever the thing, then you're choosing it. And you need to just own it for what it is. And you need to accept for what it is. And so you can't be frustrated with God and say, God, why aren't you blessing me? God, why aren't you advancing me? God, why aren't you moving? Why aren't you doing this stuff? Well, what are some of the things that you aren't allowing him to change? Because it simply means that you're choosing it. You're choosing to stay where you're at. And so in this season, we can't say, God, where are you? What are you doing? When we're saying, no, 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 I'm not changing that. I'm choosing to keep this and I'm choosing to keep this and I want to do it this way. And so we're holding on to all the things that we want to instead of allowing this change. I know these are simple, like probably memes that we've seen on Facebook and, and all that stuff, but I love this thought. Without change, there would be no butterflies. We all love the butterfly. We all love the beauty. We love all that stuff. We, we say, God, we want you to transform us. We want you to make us new. We want you to make us into greater and go from glory and glory. But there's the process of transforming from the caterpillar to the butterfly. And you can stay the caterpillar and some people maybe even prefer it, but you can be the slimy little crawly old caterpillar. And I'm not here to hate on caterpillars, but, but the butterfly, it gets its wings and it flies and it goes to new elevations and it gets new perspectives. It stops crawling on the things of the ground. Are you with me? And it gets to be able to fly. Why? Because it's allowed itself to go from caterpillar to butterfly. It's allowed change. And we need to let this season, we're different. God is with us. And one of the ways that he's with us is he's changing us. He's realigning us. Are you with me this morning? And we got to allow it. We could say it like this. Without cocoon seasons, without the cocoon seasons, there would be no butterflies. So you're looking around and you're saying, it's dark and I feel trapped and I don't understand how he's working and I don't see it. But you're in the cocoon that God is working and he's bringing you to a butterfly place. Trust him. Allow the change. Accept what God is doing in the cocoon seasons because God wants to bring us to these butterfly seasons. Can I get an amen this morning? And so we're different because God is with us. And one of the ways that he's with us is he's changing us and he's molding us and he's shaping us and he's making us new. We say this all the time. Growth without change is impossible. We got kids right now that are just growing like crazy. Every time you put on a new kind of clothes, you're like, hey, go get your summer clothes out. And you're like, what? Oh, my gosh. So, so. Because it's impossible to grow without things changing. Everything's changing. You should be outgrowing things. Some of the things you used to do and say and think, you need to, you need to grow beyond them. You got saved and, and, and God moved and he's inspiring you. But now it's time to start giving up on some old ways of thinking and old ways of living. It's time to grow. Growth without change is impossible. How are you changing? How are you getting better? Uh, what are the, some of the things that you need to do? So in this season, again, what is God taking away? What is God removing? What is God rebuilding in this season to, to allow us to be what we've called it? Because again, God is with us. And he's moving, but he's changing. Um, and so I'm encouraging you to look at it. I love this thought. Seasons change, but purpose always remains. Seasons may change, but purpose remains. I think so many of us get caught up in seasons of change, and we think that we're losing all of our purpose. It was, oh my gosh, God is changing this. That must mean he doesn't want to use me anymore. I'm not qualified anymore. He doesn't love me anymore. I don't have a call anymore. No, the season is changing, but purpose remains. Yeah, God is again with us and he's working, but one of the ways that he works is in change. And part of the reason that he does it that way is because he's again reminding us we're not the ones in charge here. God is in charge. He's moving. He's operating. He's Emmanuel, God with us, but he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is our savior, our, our, our everything. Are you with me? And so I think he uses moments like this. So don't let seasons of change make you think that your purpose is now ended. No, seasons of change, you still have purpose that remains. 
And it comes down to us being obedient in those seasons of change, obedient in what God is calling us and assigning us to. I thought about this. The best measure of a spiritual life is not its ecstasies, but its obedience. Oswald Chambers says that. The best measure of a spiritual life is not its ecstasies, but its obedience. What I'm trying to say today is the best measure of our spiritual life or our walk with God is not when we come to church and we worship big and we hear the sermon and we get so excited, all the ecstasies of church. We have a big, great outreach event and we reach all these people together as a church and we have these big ecstasy events. That's not the biggest measure, the best measure, as he's saying, the best measure of our spiritual life is all of those obediences. Maybe it's a cocoon season. Maybe it's a transforming from caterpillar to butterfly. But in those seasons where it's not ecstasies, it's instead saying, okay, God, what are you doing? What am I obedient to today? I see people all the time. They post great big spiritual things and they got all these ecstasy moments to share and to say. But when it comes down to, <clears throat> excuse me, moments, <clears throat> They have all these great big ecstasies to share and all these big statements to make. But when it comes down to moments of obedience, where it's put your hand to the plow and grow and, and go with what God's called you to and step into change and trust leadership. Uh, when it comes down to to the obedience of what God is calling to you, I see people run all the time. They take off and they flake and they run away uh, because they only want the ecstasy moments. Look at what I can say. Look at what I can share. Look at, but when it comes down to obedience, the integrity, the forming of it, then they run. We have to be a people who, who walk in obedience. We're not just fired up for God in the big worship ex experience, in the big outreach center moment, in the big. No, we walk in obedience when God calls us to walk across the street and minister to a neighbor, to walk across the street and minister to a coworker. When God tells us to write that check to that person. Are you with me today? It's these moments that are our measure of are we trusting and walking with God? And, and again, we're different because God is with us in this process. And in this process, there's, there's change and there's things that are changing. And so I want to say to you, uh, don't become a person who's complaining in the change. God's changing things and he's doing things differently and he's putting us outside of our comfort zone. And we can't become somebody who starts complaining about the change because we put it down like this. Complaining is negative intercession. God's called us to intercede and speak his word and speak his prophetic promises and, and say his yeses over our life. And when we start complaining, we're then negatively intercessing over our lives. Scripture says life and death is in the power of our tongue. And when all we do is start talking negative about our kids, about our spouses, about our jobs, about the economy, about our government, when we start just negatively, and I'm not saying we all need to lay down and become conformist. Oh, one of the ways we need to change is we got to just let the government do whatever the government wants to do to us. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in these moments, we say, God, I'm being obedient to you. What are you calling me to do? And in that moment, I'm not going to murmur. I'm not going to complain because we saw it with the children of Israel. Every time we come into these negative seasons of negative intercession, what happens? God's like, take another lap, go around it again, go around it again until you learn that change is good. And God is with us and he leads us through change. It's one of the ways we're different is that God changes us is uh, we got to learn it because God just, again, take another lap, take another lap. And so in this season, we got to say, okay, God, you're, you're different. You're with us. How are you leading us? We're different. And um, I think one of the biggest things that I see that's coming from this, and this is kind of, that was sort of the intro to the sermon. I promise I won't preach too long today. But the intro to the sermon is me setting up this idea. I think we've gotten to a spot as Christians that we have said, okay, God, the only way that you can work, the only way that you can minister to me, the only way that you can make a difference, the only way I can see a revival, the only way that I can see my community transformed is when I go to church. Oh, we got to reopen churches so God can move again. What? <laughs> like reopen churches so God can move again. Are you kidding me? You know what that would have sounded like in the New Testament? Oh, we got and, and listen, listen to me. 
I am for church. Our church, we're in the processes of regathering and coming together. But it's getting frustrating when I hear the church, not just our church, but other churches and the church across America, basically make it sound like God got laid off when Corona hit. Oh, you know, Corona and, and, you know, oh, did you hear God got laid off because churches aren't able to have service? Are you kidding me? (laughs) The New Testament is full of the moves of God and they don't happen in a church building. Why? Because God is with us. We're different because God is with us where we are. I want to open this church. I started this church like I'm all for church. Are you with me today? But for us to have this idea of like nothing's going to happen, God's not going to move. He can't do anything until we unlock church doors, you are greatly deceived. And so what I'm trying to get us to see today is Emmanuel. God is with us. He wants to do the miraculous right now where you are in your home, in your workplace, in your communities. Emmanuel, God with us. Think about how important it was when the name of Jesus Scripture says in in Matthew, I'm going to jump ahead and just read it to you and then I'll come back. But Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, we're going to throw it up here on the screen. Matthew chapter 1. And so so here's the announcement, okay, right, of, of Jesus and he's going to be born of a virgin. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, you got to remember to the Jewish mindset for them to hear the name. Names meant so much in lineage and in people. And so the naming of somebody was just such a big, big thing. So for them to say, here's what you need to know about uh, the son of man. His name is Emmanuel, meaning God with us, God with us. His name is not God in a building. His name is not God on a platform over here. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. Can I get an amen this morning? And so what I'm getting frustrated hearing is that there's this concept or this mindset that's begun to happen that is... Oh, you know, things are just so hard for me right now because, you know, church isn't happening, you know, and so life is like really hard and I get it. I understand community. Do not get me wrong today. And I'm not frustrated. I'm not mad. I'm fired up. This idea of, oh, you know, I just don't know how I'm going to make until church comes back. I don't know how we're going to make it. I don't know how we're going to listen. Emmanuel, God with us. He's with you right where you are. You don't need me. You don't need a worship band. You don't need a church logo. Emmanuel, God with you right where you are. Do you know what Pentecost is? Pentecost is saying, hey, I'm pouring out right where you are. And do you know what the fruit of that is going to be? It's going to spill into the streets, into the cities. Yes, into the churches, but it's going to spill out into the people. I'm sending you a helper, the Holy Spirit, where you are. It didn't say when you go to church or when you go to Bible study. It's where you are. Can I get an amen this morning? We treat God like he's, oh, I just can't wait for church to open back up again or churches to open up. So like the miracles can be restarted again because miracles only happen at church. And again, don't get me wrong. I'm for church. I'm for church. I started a church. Are you with me? Like, I get it. I love church, the body of Christ, the gathering together of the saints. There is nothing more beautiful. But just as powerful is the understanding that Emmanuel, God is with us where we are and we can take him into every place that we are. So this idea of these miracles are all laid off. God can't do anything until no, that is a false mindset that the enemy is deceiving us. And we have to allow this season to teach us and train us and change us to the idea that whether a church is open, not open, doors closed, not closed, preachers there, not there, doesn't matter. Emmanuel, God is with us and he can do the supernatural miracles where you are now. Can I get an amen today? So we got to stop limiting God to a building. We are walking with God, Emmanuel. Put it down like this. Most, most, put it in your notes like this this morning. Most of the moves of God and miracles of God that we read about in the Bible did not happen in a church. They didn't happen in a building. So if you just got your feet up right now waiting for church to come back and then God can move again, you're greatly deceived about how God moved in the New Testament. Are you with me today? Second Kings chapter four. 
is this incredible story of this woman who has this great need. Back in scripture, uh, if you had a debt, so if a husband had a debt uh, and he passed away, they were allowed to come take your kids to pay off the debt. And that's what's about to happen to this woman. And so the prophet comes into her life and says, what's in your house? Not what church do you go to, not who's your pastor, not what's at your church. He says, what's happening in your house? What's in your house, which teaches us this lesson. What's happening in your house can hinder or assist a move of God. What's happening in your house can hinder or assist a move of God. I'm here to ask you this morning, how is God moving in your home? How's God moving in your workplace? How's God moving in your, your, excuse me, travel to work? How's God moving in your mowing the lawn? How's God moving in all of the facets of your life, not just in your church buildings that we are waiting to come back so that then God can come off unemployment and move again? Are you with me? Can I get an amen today? And so the question is, what's happening in your home? How is this thing advancing in your home 18 times in the book of Acts, which the book of Acts is the acts of, of the New Testament church, the movement of how, how God has birthed the church that we're walking in now. 18 times in the book of Acts, it talks about the miraculous or things of God happening in church. 39 times miraculous in the supernatural, in the, in the moves of God, God talks about happening in a home or in a house. So of the things recorded in the book of Acts for us to know about, what it wants us to know about is that God, yes, he moves in churches, in temples, in the synagogue, and he ministers that way, but even more so, he moves right where you are. So God is not laid off. God is not on unemployment. Jesus is not just waiting for things to reopen and regather. Right now, where you are, like the book of Acts, God has poured himself out and given us the Holy Spirit, the helper, so that right now, where we are, we can minister in our communities. Can I get an amen today? Our present quarantine would not have hindered the New Testament church. The model or the picture of what church should look like in the New Testament, our quarantine standards would not have been, would have not hindered the New Testament church, the example that we've been given in the book of Acts. And so much more so in our current persecuted church world, the quarantine measures that we face as Americans wouldn't affect the persecuted church of the rest of the world. But for some reason here as Christians, we have this mindset of because of the quarantine, because of what the government is doing, because of this thing, we got to just wait for God to come back to work. No, right where you are with the people that you connect to, we can still reach and seek and save the lost and make a difference. And I feel like a crazy person because I'm a person who started a church and I'm a pastor who depends on having a church to make a living. And I'm up here telling you, we don't need a church. <laughs> I sound like a Jerry Seinfeld, right? Like, we don't need a church. Just go be the church. <laughs> but it's the truth. And I love church and I love the assembling together of the saints. And we're going to do that. And we're going to do it very soon. But, but I just don't want us to be so deceived that everything is on pause and everything is held up and everything is held down until we can unlock some building and regather. Come on, people. We are so empowered and we have Emmanuel God with us. I believe revival can happen whether church doors are open or not. And I believe God wants to do it. Most of the miracles happened in the Bible happened through people in community connecting with one another. I think it's been a huge disservice that we've come to church, we've done church, we leave church, and we go back to a whole nother lifestyle of God lives over here, and this is where I live, God does that at church, I do this at home, and so that's why it's such a hot and cold, it's such a fire and ice, because we've left the functions of God in a building, and we function the way we've wanted to function in our normal lives our entertainment, the way we spend time, the things we read, the things we participate in, the people that we talk to, the way that we talk to them, all happens this way at home, and then it happens this way at church. But I'm here to tell you that God is saying, guess what? The home needs to look like what church celebrations look like. Are you with me? God's trying to get us to see 
It's not about the building. It's not about a door being open. Can I get an amen? This is the part where you guys start getting off and I can see it. You know, the numbers start to drop down. You're like, all right, I'm sick of them. I'm out of here. And, but I can see it and I'll find you and kill you. I mean, I didn't mean to say that. Just kidding. Put it to you like this. If you have in this season worshiped less, read your word less because the church is closed. Oh, the church is closed and we're not gathering. And if because of that, it has caused you to have less of a worship life because most of the time you worshiped was at church. If it's caused you to read your word less because most of the time you read your word was at church when the pastor told you to turn to something. If because the church has closed its doors, it's caused you to encourage one another less because the time that you came and encouraged one another and checked on each other was when you saw each other on Sunday. If you've done that less since the doors have closed or prayed less or evangelized less because the church have closed, can I tell you, you are in a bigger crisis in your life right now than COVID-19. If because church doors have closed, it's caused you to do those things less, you are in a more dangerous place in your life than you are about any kind of virus. Why? Because it means that your relationship with God was dependent on a physical building or some other person to produce it for you. And God has called you to be with him and walking with him and growing with him. And so the lesson that we're learning about change today is that God wants to be in our homes and leading us where we are. Let me say it to you like this, and then I'll lighten up on you. <laughs> how spiritual or how much depth would the Church of America have if our depth was equal to the depth of your spirituality in your home? So if we gauged how much of God there is in spirituality and things of God and depth of God that takes place in our home, if that was the measure of the church, how deep would we be? Or are we depending on the church to be the depth, the building, the ministry teams, the volunteer groups? If we're allowing that to be the depth, we've missed it by a mile. This is a place that we come and celebrate and encourage one another, but we come and we celebrate what the Lord has already done all throughout the week and the way that he's spoke to us and led us and prompted us and moved in our lives all throughout the week. This is the celebration place of the gathering together of what God has already done. Can I get an amen today? Or a hanky wave because it's Pentecost or it's a good time for you to stand up and take a praise break. Amen. Let's take a look at the book of Acts, just a couple examples of how God ministered and, and did the miraculous all through the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, this is Pentecost Sunday, this is what we're talking about right here, it says this, that the Holy Spirit was poured out and it birthed the New Testament church. And the scripture says it happened in an upper room. And if you study what the room was, it was the upper room of a home. Do you have a two-story home? Do you have a basement and an upper? If you have an upper room, I'm telling you, you have the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to be poured out where you are. An upper room experience, the upper room of a house. Pentecost today is celebrated because God moved in a home. God wants to move in homes. He wants people to be ministering to one another in homes. Acts chapter 9 says that Ananias... Uh, was led to meet a man named Saul, who we know became Paul, who we know Paul became uh, one of the greatest conversions to ever be converted. He was killing Christians at record rates. He's killing these Christians. He then gets turned for the gospel. We know he writes the majority of the New Testament. Much of what we live in and walk in is because of Saul being turned to the apostle Paul. The greatest uh, apostle is Paul in the scripture teaches us in Acts chapter 9 that it was Ananias who laid hands on Saul. Where? In a home. The scripture says that God tells Ananias, to go to Straight Street, and you're going to meet this guy who's in this home. I'm here to tell you something. God understood where they were all the way down to their street. Can I tell you something this morning? God understands where you are all the way down to your street. You don't have to get to the temple. You don't have to get to the church building. You don't have to get to the thing. God knows where you are, and he can connect you with people to transform people's lives in great ways. Can I get an amen today? So he makes this great transformation. Acts chapter 10 says that the Gentile Cornelius, 
The scripture says that an angel leads him to a home. So the scripture is saying that God from heaven is saying to the Gentile Cornelius, hey, I want you to go to this guy, Simon Peter, in a home because God understands neighborhoods. He knows how to work a cul-de-sac, if you understand what I'm saying. He knows where you are in your homes. And he says that the scripture says that the Holy Spirit fell on them and all who heard the words and they were in a house. We can gather together as brothers and sisters outside of a church building and the Holy Spirit can fall and make a difference among people. Can I get an amen this morning? Acts chapter 12 says Peter's in prison. Peter's in prison. He's locked up and there's a woman named Rhoda. Here's what I want you to learn. You're going to learn a lesson about Rhoda during coronavirus. So just remember those two things. So Rhoda is praying She's praying. She's interceding, not in a church. She's in her home. She's having this prayer meeting in her home, and she's praying for Peter to be free, to be set free, to be released from this persecution. And the scripture teaches us that while she's praying, Peter gets set free. And she prays for such a time uh, that Peter leaves the jail, shows up at her home, ends up knocking on her door again at a home. He's knocking on the door. I'm here to tell you this. When, when we put God in our homes, when we have prayer places like she has a prayer place, the answers, the provisions, the thing that you need become knocking on your door. Can I get an amen? But when we wait for it to only happen in church and when the doors open and when God's done being laid off, when he gets put back to work. No, right here, right now in these prayer places, all of your answers and the miraculous can come knocking on your door, just like we saw. Acts chapter 16, this is all just in Acts, things happening outside the church. Paul and Silas are again in jail. Uh, they're in jail and, and they're being persecuted. And the scripture says they begin to worship. They're worshiping, they're worshiping. God sends this earthquake that, that breaks their chains, that sets them free. And the guard sort of on their way out says to them, hey, what? I need to know about this. What must I do to be saved by your Savior, to be saved by God? And Paul and Silas say, you believe in Jesus Christ. You believe on him. And then it says this, it says you and all of your household didn't say the rest of your church or who you belong to. They're making this emphasis that your home can be saved and led, that there's ministry that can take place in your home. We see in Acts chapter 18, the chief ruler of the synagogue, the scripture says this, that he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and all with all of his household. He believed on the Lord Jesus Christ with all of his household. The, the meaning here of this is that his, his family was led right, positioned right, propped up right. All of his household, all of its, all of its means, all of its budget, all of its time was positioned and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the scripture said the result of it, this chief ruler of the synagogue, the result of it is that many of the Corinthians were then believers and baptized. Listen to this. First and second Corinthians, those beautiful books that we have that has basically led and launched how we do church and how church functions to this day came from this Acts chapter 18, this movement among the Corinthian people, uh, the church of Corinth, all of this comes out of this guy who's saying our household is positioned in this movement, this great revival. It's happened. What? Because households were in order. Are you understand what I'm saying today? We say, well, the church is out of order. We can't open doors. We can't do all this. What's going to happen? A household was in order. And great things happen. And, and what we stand on today was because households were in order. Again, I feel like a crazy person that I'm getting up here and preaching that doors open, not open, gathering. I'm all for the gathering. Again, you cannot sit in a room and argue with me that I'm not for gathering. I am. I started a church. Do <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I give my life to this thing. But I'm also here to tell you, if we think that that's the only way, we are so deceived. We are so deceived. And so we see right here, Acts chapter 18, uh, that again, so much of what we stand on was because a household was in order. Because a household was in order. Uh, Acts chapter 20, Paul says this. He says, I taught you publicly, which we believe in. And we're going to be preaching publicly as we are right now online. But in person, very, very soon, we're going to be preaching together publicly. But then the scripture says on top of that, he says, I also preach to you house to house. 
in person, gathering together, doing community, doing life together outside of a, a building, a steeple in the people. Instead, house to house, gathering, connecting, sharing with one another, like the book of Acts calls us to do. And so I just came here today to say this on this Pentecost Sunday, maybe, just maybe, God wants to use this virus so that at this Pentecost time, he can pour out his Holy Spirit into homes again so that we can get our households in order in order to reach people and evangelize people and advance the church of God, not the buildings of God. Can I get an amen this morning? And so we feel so strongly uh, as a church about how important it is for us in these times to understand that God ministers in our homes. He ministers where he's at, that, that we've put plans together. Together, uh, for us to be able to connect and regather as people, again, outside of the church. So I'm going to share that with you here in just a second. But here's what I really want you to hear. I'm a church kid. I grew up in church. So never missed a Sunday. Uh, back like when you were really saved. When I mean you were really saved, that means you went to church on Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, and then you had home groups. I mean, I'm talking about like when people were real saved, like actual kingdom buck stuff. And, uh, and so that's how I grew up going to church. And my parents did a phenomenal job taking me to church and we went to great churches and, and we learned, learned great teachings. But the things that I remember about my upbringing, the things, and this is what I want you to hear, the things that I remember and the things that I stand on and the things that I instill to my kids, yes, much of it comes from what I saw happen inside a church, and, and that's great, but much of the core fundamentals that I've learned and that I stand on and that I instill to others, I actually didn't learn in church. I learned in my home from my parents or from other believers be an example in front of me as their lifestyle. Can I get an amen today? When we would get sick, my mom would get out the scriptures about healing and she would put us in our you know, bed or whatever. And we'd be sick. We'd take our temperature and then she would turn on healing scriptures. Kenneth Copeland, crazy, crazy Kenneth Copeland singing songs about healing and in positive confessions. And we'd speak the word over our lives. And, and that's what that's what we learned. That's how I believe what I believe about healing. Because in the time that I needed it, it wasn't like, well, now hold on, Josh, you know, we'll get over to the Wednesday night service and, and we'll find a pastor to pray for you. It was no, here's the word and it's in our house and I'm going to read it over you. We're going to play it over you and we're going to worship it over you and we're going to speak it over you. Can I get an amen this morning? We need to, we need to return, if you will, we need to return the moves of God back into our homes. And I believe that's what this is teaching us is that this community, this movement of God in our homes, where we are matters because Emmanuel, God with us. I also remember Sunday mornings, we're getting ready for church. It wasn't a question. My dad would get up. My mom would get up. This is before they ever even worked in church. It wasn't a question. Well, what do you think? Are we going to church this Sunday? Well, what do you think? Should we go? I don't know. We were up kind of late last night sitting around the yard. You know, we stayed up pretty late last night having that fire sitting around. We're pretty exhausted. Maybe we should skip church today anyway. No, my parents got up every single Sunday. My dad worked in a factory, 50 hours, 60 hours for a steel case, and, and they didn't have air conditioning, and they're building chairs, and every single day, I would hear his car leave at 3.30 in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning. It wouldn't come back till 4.30, 5 p.m. Every single day, he's, he's working. He deserved to sleep in. He deserved to kick his feet up. But I saw him get up and I saw him get ready every single Sunday. And I saw him put out a tithe check every Sunday morning. He's getting out the checkbook. He's writing out. His Those are the things that I remember. I don't remember any tithe sermons that came from a church platform or a pastor. I don't remember any of those, but I remember dad scratching out a tithe check and on the way saying, hey, do you got your tithe? 
You got your allowance. Do you got your time? Yeah, Dad, I do. You taught me. Are you with me? I think about all the nights that, that they had people over. Dad worked all day long, and then they had multiple people over, and they would counsel them. They would help them with their marriage. They would teach them about parenting. They would do all these things. Why? Because they understood that there's power in helping people in our homes. And so I'll say it to you like this. Much of what makes the difference is not taught bring them to church. The kids are taught something. And again, I feel like a crazy person because I'm over here saying like church, church. It's not what's taught. It's what's caught. You've heard that saying before. So much of what we know is not taught. It's what you caught, what you catch. It's what's caught through the everyday functions of God moving in our homes. How's God moving in your home? How's God moving in your communities? How's God moving in your friendships and your relationships? How are you there for people in your community in connecting with friends, neighbors, loved ones? How are you there? Because it's more caught than it is taught. So what are your kids seeing you do? Are they seeing you fellowship with other people and believe in them and speak well over them and encourage them? Or are they seeing backbiting and negativity? Kids are the great indicators uh, of, of, of your home. Uh, you talk negatively, all of a sudden you, you just turn around and you're like, man, these kids talk so negatively. You get caught, I get caught doing it all the time. As far as like our kids will do a statement, where did they learn to say that? And then like a day later, your wife says it or you say it just like the kids said it. And you're like, oh, I think I say that. Oh, that's you, you say that. And in our home, you know, if it's real sweet and it's real kind, I'm like, Oh, hey, I think Jess says that. And then if it's rough, uh, I'm like, whew, that might be me. Uh, I got caught with it this week. Uh, my son, he's in the name calling right now. And I, th I think it's hilarious. And, uh, and so, like, he gets frustrated with something and he can spit off at his mouth. My mom said, I, I uh, have a diarrhea mouth. It just never stops. And, um, and I'm doing it right now. And so, and so uh, I think it's a blessing. I think it's a spiritual gift. It allows me to do what I do. Uh, but I got, I got uh, in trouble for it as a kid. And, uh, and I'm working through it. I got counseling. And sometimes I still remember the soap taste in my mouth. But anyway, uh, I'm going to be okay. But I'm here to tell you this. Caught, not taught. You're negative. You're backbiting. You're, you're, you're kind of like rude about others. That's going to be caught by your kids. But if they see you speaking life over people and building up people and encouraging one another, all of a sudden you're going to be looking around being like, look at that. Look at, look at how they're doing that. You get to be like, that's, that's me. That's the Lord working through me. That's what, that's, are you with me today? It's caught, not taught. And so we, we got to get into a position where, where uh, in our households, our households are positioned for these great moves of God. We can't keep saying someday when the church is unlocked and God comes off unemployment. No, God, Emmanuel, he's with us. He's moving, he's working. And, and we got to lead people in it, especially the next generation. And so I believe uh, that this needs to be on display. So here's where we are as a church. Really exciting things happening. A couple things uh, that we get to let, to know, let you know about. This week we announced that we are restarting the processes of opening the church. That means we're restarting what scheduling is going to look like. So it just takes time. Many of you don't you know, realize like every Sunday morning it takes like 30 people each service to run kids men. I can't just in two days be like, we're having church. Who's going to be those 30 people, right? Like we get to figure all that kind of stuff out. So we're restarting that. We're restarting band stuff. And um, all of those things are starting to restart. And in the meantime, what we're really excited about is we sent out a survey. The plan for restarting is going to come from you, the people, the body. Hey, what does it look like? What would you guys like to see? What matters to you? What, what's meaningful? Uh, what can wait a little bit? As we have this phased approach to reopening, uh, we need to hear from you. So if you haven't done your survey yet, you can find that uh, in an email that comes to you. Maybe look in your inbox. We'll also have that available on the website. Maybe even link it into this right now today. Uh, but get your survey filled out. But one of the things from some of the data that we've already collected in the survey is we realize and we understand, and it's been our heart to, as soon as we were possible, as soon as we were you know, allowed to and restrictions were lifted, as soon as we could start regathering people together, we wanted to do that. And so we've been working hard to put this together. 
and uh, you're going to notice uh, this new app that we're rolling out. Uh, it's the Church Center app. So if you have a smartphone, whether you're uh, an Apple user, which you should be, or if you're an Android user, uh, uh, Google, whatever, um, we'll be praying for you, believing a breakthrough for you. But uh, you can download in the App Store. It's called the Church Center app. And so if you download that, then what you'll use is your Planning Center account. Um, so if you have a Planning Center account, which you should through the church, uh, you just use that login and you'll be able to go on that app. But here's what's really cool that we're going to be rolling out uh, starting right away is we are going to be starting what we're calling regathering groups. Uh, this is our regathering groups. As we're coming back together as a church, one of the things we can do now uh, with all of the safety and the measures of 10 or less and things like that, you guys have heard all about that. Um, we're going to follow those guidelines, but immediately we can start regathering. So that's our heart. And along with this message, think about what I just said and preached in these homes. God can begin to do the miraculous. He can start moving. He can start uh, dwelling and, and, and doing all of these things, like even in our homes. So all of the moves that we saw in Acts, I believe God's going to do in our, in our uh, barbecues, in our play dates, and all of the things that we're going to do as we're gathering together in our communities, God's going to move. And so don't look at this as entertainment, but look at this as opportunities for God to do the miraculous. So here's a couple ideas that we're looking to have. So here's how this is going to work with this app you'll be able to find these regathering groups. And some of the groups are just going to be fun. So uh, potluck, you know, if you're just saying, hey, we want to have people over, we want to cook out, we just want to have a hangout as we're regathering and, and doing community and fellowship, awesome. You can go on and you can sign up to host a potluck or a barbecue. Maybe you want to have a bonfire. You got some space to have some people over and, and have a great bonfire. I think that's awesome. Um, play date, maybe like a fitness group. I know some of you crazies out there, uh, you could host like a run, a run party or whatever you want to do, whatever on your heart to do. We're not going to control this or police this a whole bunch. There's, there's like an application we're going to have to just make sure we can communicate it well and make sure everything's good. But look, this regathering is so important. I know so many of us are, are like, hey, we, you know, we got to get back together and we got to do fellowship. And yeah, but we're not limited to the building. Again, God can move in the communities, and so we're relaunching all this. One of the really cool ones is these watch parties. Really strongly encourage you to pray about hosting a watch party. A watch party is where we go live on Sunday, and you have people over to your home. And so all together, in you know, groups of 10 or less, you can come together and start to have church with a few other people. And so these watch parties, open your home. Uh, I would encourage you to have either breakfast before or brunch after. I mean, now we're talking about revival, right? We're talking church and potluck or breakfast, bacon, things are getting good again. And so uh, host a watch party. Another thing you might not know is we rebroadcast Sunday on Tuesday night. Just, hey, Sunday mornings are really hard for me. I end up having to watch it later in the week. Maybe you can host a, a rewatch party uh, on Tuesday night. And so here's, here's kind of one thing that's important is this. We can't have groups. We can't have regathering groups without hosts. So as much as you're like, oh, I can't wait to go on the app and see what everybody's doing. Well, if nobody's doing anything, then there's nothing to see. And so be prayerful about, okay, Lord, we, we understand that uh, you move, you're Emmanuel, you're God with us. And there's a lot of hurting people and there's a lot of people that need love and connecting. And uh, we're coming out of this isolation and frustration and all this stuff. Maybe for you, you can open a home or maybe for you, you can host a barbecue or a potluck or whatever it looks like. And um, what we would need you to do is just go on the website, verticalstory.com. Uh, and when you get there, you'll be able to see uh, an online application. Again, we're not going to police it. It's not going to be crazy. Um, none of that stuff. Uh, we just want to be able to make sure it's done in an excellent way. So go on there, fill out the application, and then we'll have it put right into the app. So you'll see it on our website. It'll be right on the app. I'm saying it like this, literally on a Thursday night. Let's say Thursday night, Friday, and you're like, oh, I wonder what we want to do this weekend. Let's check out the app. And when you jump on that app, you can see all the regathering things that are happening. Maybe you can join a watch party, again, a fire, a barbecue, a potluck, whatever it looks like. I don't want you to despise small beginnings. Oh, 10 people for a potluck or a barbecue. That's not a big deal. Oh, trust me. In this world that we're in right now with isolation and separation and frustration, all this stuff that's going on, your barbecues, your potlucks, if you can open your home, they are going to be unbelievably important. It's just what we walked through in the book of Acts where God says, hey, you go to this house and you're going to meet this person and you're going to lay hands on them. And this Holy Spirit fell, right? Or a move of God or a healing or a restoration took place. This isn't entertainment. 
Okay, this is again, God moving. It's Emmanuel. It's God with us. And this is how we're regathering and coming back together uh, in safe and wise and phased ways. And so don't look down on this. This is powerful. And I can't wait for you to be a part of it. So jump on the website. Help us be host of many of these things, any of these ideas that you have. Maybe you're a, a cyclist and you want to get people together to ride bikes, whatever it is. Uh, we'd love to get those regathering groups going. And so jump on the website and uh, fill one of those out. But um, so important. Another really fun feature about this app. And so I really do encourage you to get it is uh, you can also uh, sow seed. You can give your uh, tithes and offerings right on the app as well. So some of you digital givers that like to do that, download that app, just give right on there as well. So that's a pretty cool thing. So we've been working hard to get this stuff all put together and we would really like to make sure that you use it and so again my heart today and I know I went a little bit long but uh, I hope it was okay if it ministered to you today um, share it let's get this word out there let's just remind people encourage people God's not laid off he's not on unemployment he's working he's moving and it happens even outside of church buildings he's Emmanuel he's God with us and he wants to even you know use you wherever you are wherever you find yourself and um, some of the fun ways that I know he's going to do it is through this stuff and so get the app downloaded and let's start hosting some things. Talk with your spouse and decide how that might work for you and your family. We want this stuff to get rolling right away. Um, so by next Sunday, we want watch parties happening, people regathering, uh, praying for one another, connecting with one another. And, um, and so we'd love to see that happen. So let me pray and uh, we'll kind of wrap this up. And then I got a few more announcements before we take off and um, can't wait to see how God uses us again. Just like the hose, we kind of want to go this way, kind of want it to be, and God is shifting us and saying, no, no, it's going to be better this way. This is the function. It's going to be better. And um, I can't wait to see the growth from it. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for who you are and for how you love us. Lord, we ask that you, again, just show us that you move among us. You inspire us, encourage us. Your Holy Spirit is, is poured out on us. Lord, we want to be led to the people that you're calling us to. And we want to be able to pray for and lay hands on and connect with, Lord, every person that you're putting into our lives. And Lord, we know and we understand uh, that you're not on unemployment. You're not waiting for things to restart, but God, you're moving among us. And so Lord, I pray that you help us see the areas we need to change, the cocoon seasons, the from caterpillar to butterfly seasons. Lord, we want that in our life. And I thank you for it. And Lord, I just thank you for like a boldness and a vision for those that are going to host these different regathering groups. And uh, Lord, we just call those blessed in advance in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, a few things before you take off today. Um, really excited about hand-to-hand uh, -hand is continuing to happen. And so just thank you for your generosity. You're continuing to just sow seed. Again, you can do that in the app. Um, you can just put that right in there and uh, we'll continue to meet the needs. And then also, um, again, we mentioned your tithes and offerings. You can do that in the app. Um, you can do it right on the church website or you can send it to the church um, just right in the mail as well. But thank you so much for your generosity. Again, as we're building apps and subscribing for new ways of doing things because of your generosity. We've been able to just continue to go forward as a church and be prepared um, for all these phased approaches and, and regatherings and all the things that we need to do. To, um, your generosity has allowed us to be able to be prepared for that. So thank you. And then lastly, don't forget every single Monday through Friday, we're praying together um, as a church. We're joining with Radiant Church. We're part of the Radiant Network and they do a prayer and worship at 8 a.m. every Monday through Friday. It's really powerful, really encouraging you and uh, get to worship a little, pray together, um, really with people all over the world. And so I encourage you, if you can make that happen, make that happen. So much love. Thank you so much for hearing the pastor talk about why church isn't the end all be all church buildings. And uh, again, I feel like a crazy person, but uh, you know my heart on that. And so I'm telling you, go, you're going with God and you're preaching, you're carrying the goodness. You are a city on a hill and uh, a light that can't be hidden. And so whether doors open or not, God is not laid off. He's moving. Amen. And I can't wait to see what that looks like. Much love. See you soon.